As you might know, being a teenager is awkward. Life is full of challenges and teenagers face many that are unique to their age group. Anxiety, depression, anger, lusts, and several others. This can become overwhelming. In today's episode, we will look at key principles from God's Word to help us deal with these challenges. Stay tuned for the solutions God provides. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast program. Uh, my name is Jeff, and along with me today is our regular co-host, Brian. How are you doing today, Brian? Hey, good morning, Jeff. Doing very well. Thanks. Yeah, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, his voice you may not have recognized in the uh, teaser that started us off, but his name is Caden, and we've invited him onto the program. This will be his uh, first appearance and hopefully not his last appearance to kind of help us give some special insight into the world of teenagers. Caden, welcome. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this show, and um, hopefully I can share some thoughts and advice that will help other teenagers around the world. Right. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, I might mention right up front that Caden is Brian's son. I might also mention that it wasn't that long ago that Caden became a Christian. And so I think he has a pretty unique perspective on both teenagers and the kinds of spiritual, moral problems that teenagers have these days. So, Caden, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, like you know, how old you are and, and what grade you're in? So I'm a sophomore in high school, 10th grade, and I'm 16 years old. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of challenges that I face uh, being a teenager myself. Okay, and hopefully our listeners will benefit from that experience as, as we get into our podcast. Now, certainly, you know, being of any age has, has a challenge, especially if you're a Christian. But, you know, being a teenager comes with its own special set of challenges. And of course, during, you know, teenage years, it's quite normal to go through a wide range of strong emotions and experience various lusts. And it's normal, you know, for questions to arise about many things. And Caden, would you tend to say that's in your case as well? Absolutely. Okay. So the structure of today's program is, is going to be a little bit unique, a little bit different. So for our listeners, just to let you know uh, what's going to happen. So Caden happened to put together some common questions that teenagers often ask. And then based on those questions, you know, Brian and I will kind of take turns asking Caden these questions. And then he will share, uh, you know, based on his uh, background, experiences, studies, etc., principles from the Bible that can be applied to answer those questions. Brian, before we do that, do you have any other uh, introductory comments? Yeah, I'll just say that, you know, happy that Caden can join us and if there's anything that he says that you're like, what is he talking about? <laughs> or if you have any questions, come to dad. Feel free to let me know. You know, certainly there, there could be things that he says you have a question about. And we're just really hoping, as you mentioned, Jeff, to, from his perspective, share his experiences. And like you said, principles that he has studied and learned in the Bible that could hopefully help other teens. Super. All right. So the first main section that we're going to cover is that of emotions. And Brian, I think you've got the uh, the first question for Caden. 
Yeah, so one of the questions that comes up and certainly one of the statements that we've already kind of talked about is that, you know, being a teenager is stressful for various reasons. If you think about physiologically, teenagers are going through a lot of physical and mental changes that often they do not understand. And so, Caden, the first question is, you know, knowing this and experiencing that as a teenager, what is the best way to handle that? So a good way to handle this is to start with being mindful, uh, which according to the dictionary means the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something. You might have heard therapists talk about mindfulness and what this is, is kind of being aware of your surroundings and um, also aware of what you're stressed out about. But if you're able to get a, a grasp on what it is you're facing and how you can deal with it, it's not really good to try to solve your problems in the moment of your emotion. So it's good to take and realize what it feels like, accept it, and try to calm yourself down and solve it a better way than um, freaking out and uh, you know getting really anxious because I've noticed it doesn't help when emotions get involved. And some examples of this include the school workload, peer pressure, fear of the unknown. Sometimes it is because we sin, we suffer guilt because of our conscience bothers us because we're punished for what we have done wrong. So if you just recognize, hey, I messed up, everyone messes up, you know, we can fix this and um, calming yourself down and letting it be a reality. So sometimes we choose the wrong friends and we are influenced by their ungodliness. Um, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. If you uh, choose to hang out with the wrong people and you feel like you've done something and you're really guilty about it because you regret the friend choices you've made, well, you could deal with that. And another example is we suffer stress because we fail to complete tasks such as schoolwork, chores, etc. And we realize we're causing the stress. In Galatians 6, 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So a lot of this stress comes from our own causes. And as you see, you know, whatever, you might have heard the expression, you get what you pay for. I mean, you know, so that can definitely be part of it. And I don't want anyone here to think that anything is their fault, like regret it. Uh, because everyone makes mistakes, and there's no reason to quarrel over that. Yeah, good thoughts, Caden. Appreciate that. And, you know, this stress that you're talking about, you might remember we were talking about earlier in the week, you know, sometimes teenagers can be cranky, right? Or, you know, uh, let every little thing bother them, I think you were saying. And one of the things that's important is to understand also that that kind of stress that you go through can lead to you being grumpy or whatever, but it also you know, can easily turn into sin or lead to sin. And Ephesians chapter 4 says, you know, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And so, uh, would you agree, Caden, that it's easy if, once again, you, whether it's just cranky, maybe you're not angry and yelling at people, but it's it's easy if you're not careful to let that turn into something more serious like sin. 
Definitely. And I've noticed myself, you know, with parents instructing me to do things or talking to me and um, I've talked back before. And it's hard because, you know, sometimes you only have like a split second to react when you, that spark uh, happens in your body, if you will. It's almost like, okay, you know, now my anger is really taken on and I have two options. I can either let the anger control or I can just, you know, breathe. And there's some other tactics we might look at uh, with just calming down and doing the right thing, making the right decision. You never want to hurt anybody and um, you don't want to do anything you regret. So this first question is kind of oriented around, you know, stress. And certainly, as you both have pointed out, a lot of that can lead to, you know, getting upset and anger. Uh, the next question kind of shifts that a little bit to more of things related to worry and anxiety. But, Kane, before I ask the question, let me kind of get your quick perspective on things that teens tend to worry about. I mean, you know, back in my day, you know, there was a lot of concern as, you know, teenagers about, you know, like taking tests and fitting in or being bullied. Uh, what about teens today? From my perspective, uh, definitely some of the similar uh, things you mentioned. A lot of it is if something happens, like someone posts on social media about you and they try to embarrass you, your first instinct is like, okay, you know, everyone's going to see that. I don't know what to do. And you might panic or you might comment something hateful or try to strike back. But there's a lot that we have to think about when we are embarrassed. As teenagers, people are going to try to embarrass you. People hate. So a lot of the things you mentioned, us teens go through today. And from personal experience, I've been, uh, I guess, verbally bullied and embarrassed before. And it's going to happen, most likely. Um, and I don't want anyone to take that and, you know, get worried about that because, you know, it, it's it's pretty easy to be anxious about. So if you can take some consideration and um, you can always pray about it, but also taking tests, fitting in. A lot of us try to fit in or, you know, keep up with the Joneses <laughs> is one of the expressions. But it's not, life isn't always about fitting in. So if you feel like you can't really fit in, I mean, it's important to be yourself. And it's, you know, never a good thing to try to fit in, especially if it's wrong, doing the wrong things. And uh, taking tests, you know, if you fail the test, at least you've tried. A lot of people get anxious and don't even take the test or they might skip school because they don't want to be a failure. But it's actually important to fail, to learn from your mistakes. And some other things, I mean, for me personally, I've gone through trauma earlier in my life and, um, you know, I've had some therapy for it, but there are solutions and um, we will look at a few examples of how some verses are very comforting, especially because it talks about how God is going to take care of us and it gives us other examples. So, Well, and I appreciate that insight. And I know back in my time, we didn't have the, you know, the social media and the smartphones and the Facebook and all that stuff that, that you guys have today that can be a source of embarrassment or worry or, or bullying. So I, I appreciate that as well. So the actual question is, as stated from a teenager's perspective, I'm really worried about X or something in my life. And I experience a lot of anxiety at times. What should I do? So Philippians 4 verse 6 through 8 gives us a great resolution to our problems. God commands is to let him handle it by putting it in his hands. This will allow you to be at ease knowing that the Lord is taking care of it. 
It then talks about thinking on the good things of life. So it says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So with prayer and supplication, some translations say prayer and pleading. Our goal is to just let God know what is our issue. And we have to make this important because we almost feel hopeless or like nobody can help us. But if you think about God, who is the creator of the universe, with him, all things are possible. And we don't really seem to realize that in the moment. And we might say, oh, you know, God can't fix this problem, but he absolutely can. So give him the problem and go on your way because you know that it's in God's hands. And with God, like I said, anything is possible. And in verse 8, it talks about, you know, thinking on numerous amounts of things that are very pleasant and um, meditating on these things, some translations say. So really try to focus your mind on good things. And it's easier said than done, but I think if we count our blessings and we realize all the great that we have in life, then it can absolutely change the way we think and um, our perspective about life. Matthew 6, verse 25 through 26 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So this was a good passage for me as a teenager because when I was going through a lot of anxiety, I looked at this passage and I was really inspired because it's so true. Later in Matthew 6, I believe, it talks about, you know, grass is taken care of that's later thrown into the oven. So you think about things as little as a bird or grass, they're taken care of by the Lord. And if you look at the perspective of how big God is compared to us, we're this little speck of dust, and we're so greatly taken care of, especially, like I said, the birds. I mean, think about how much smaller they are than us. So you get the point. God really cares about us and his creation. So we are so much more worth than animals, especially like birds. So then we have Hebrews 13, verse 5 through 6. It says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, or nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is another interesting thing because a lot of people fear, oh, you know, I'm getting bullied or embarrassed or I'm getting made fun of. I mean, God will never leave you or forsake you, as he said here. So if God's always on your side and you ask him for help, he'll help you because he's always there. God's a spirit and we can't see him, feel him. I mean, it's really difficult because God can be our only friend in life and we have to realize he's there. Even if we can't see him physically, he's always here and he sees everything you do. So we can definitely turn to him anytime we have a problem and he's never gonna leave us. Very good points, very good points. Appreciate that, Caden. So let's shift gears now and talk about depression. You know, that's one of those that I think uh, those of you who may be teenagers would agree is not uncommon, right? To be depressed at times. And so Caden, if someone says, I feel depressed and hopeless, how can God help me with this? Uh, what, what do you think about that question? So in Isaiah 40, verse 29 through 31, is great for ones who fall weary. It says that the ones who wait for the Lord will be renewed of their strength. If we are doing what's right and wait for God, we will find hope. 
Isaiah 40 verse 29 through 31 says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might he increases strength. Even the youth shall fall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They, mount, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So this is figurative because, you know, it's, it's spiritual. If we think, you know, if we're down and depressed and we feel hopeless and our focus is on waiting for God, you know, waiting for the Lord and um, looking to God for everything and doing his will, he's going to increase our strength. He's going to lift us up, it says, you know, give several examples. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. So if the Lord renews our strength over and over, think about how strong we can be every time we feel depressed and we remember all these great things and we wait on, you know, God for things. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30 is a great verse for any hopeless emotions. Um, It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, in our Christian walk, we face many challenges, but we can always go to God for rest, because we might have a very difficult time. Think about a journey or on a hike. You know, if you're going on a hike, and uh, you're walking through this narrow path, it's really hard to get up, because that's what life is, honestly, as a Christian, it's a narrow path. There's other verses that express that. So, we get tired. We get weary. God is that rest. You know, we can come to him. He'll give us rest and our burden will be easy to carry. Sometimes it might be hard, but his burden is light. So, you know, God really relieves us from our stress and our uh, hopelessness. Encouraging one another and bearing one another's burdens can really help. Romans 12 verse 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14 says, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak. So other people might feel depressed as well. Other people might be down, but we have to keep them in mind. Appreciate those thoughts, Caden. Certainly appreciate the advice from the scriptures that you gave. And, you know, it's so important also, just want everyone to realize and acknowledge what the Bible teaches. And that is, you know, if we do not deal with depression in the right way, um, it can spiral to the point where someone might even commit suicide. And, you know, fortunately, as these passages that Caden pointed out are teaching us, God's given us tools to deal with things like depression. A couple passages that come to mind, Psalm 31, verse 3, For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. So if that's your attitude, the Lord is my rock, Lord, guide me. That's that's going to get us a long way. And then just the comfort, you know, David in Psalm 23 said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, Jeff, this is just one of many passages, right, that I think really hits the point that God's here, He cares for us, He gives us that strength, and He restores our soul. So just a a couple passages that can help with this as well. Well, and I think about teenagers 
typically perhaps have these, you know, very, very strong emotions, but in a lot of cases, they lack the maturity of, of you know, knowing how to deal with them. Uh, and unfortunately, in today's culture, a lot of teenagers, you know, are not Christians, so they don't have the various tools from the Bible that would enable them to, you know, understand these emotions, where they're coming from, and how to deal successfully with them. And so, as you said, a lot of those emotions spiral into anxiety, fear, hopelessness, depression, and even suicide with, you know, people who have their whole lives ahead of them. And the things they perhaps are encountering are relatively minor, you know, break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever the case might be. And unfortunately today, you know, the teen suicide is, is a very large, real, concerning thing. But like, you know, you and Caden have pointed out, you know, there are tools, there are scriptures, there are means of dealing with those strong emotions. Now, speaking of emotions, you know, so far we've talked about stress and so far we've talked about, you know, anxiety and depression. We'll shift gears just a little bit and talk about temptations. And that's what our next question is going to be about, Caden. But before we, uh, before I ask the question, would you mind just briefly mentioning the different kinds of temptations that typical teenagers experience today? Well, there's many. A lot of the temptations come with emotion. Like, for example, anger. If we get really angry, uh, we could start to be tempted to view someone in the wrong way uh, or to judge someone. And other things, you know, besides anger, you know, there could be some sexual temptations involved. Um, a lot of teenagers with their hormone changes, you're gonna, you, there's going to be a lot of noticeable urges to do different things. And it, it's very difficult to cope with at times because the physical that you're going through. But again, if we go back to the example of being mindful, if you just kind of take and experience what your body's going through, maybe the, like the tickling in your stomach or the adrenaline that's going through your body, and you're really just like ready to do something that you shouldn't do. If you just take a moment and you just allow yourself to realize how you feel and take a step back and say, okay, is this going to do, is this going to cause me to do something I regret? Kind of like what I was saying earlier. So Temptations, you know, there, there's uh, many, uh, but those are just a few examples. I appreciate that. Okay, so here comes the question. I am constantly tempted to do bad things, and I sometimes do them and then feel terrible afterwards. What should I do? So God says that drawing closer to him will make these temptations much easier to face. Our life is a constant battle with the spirit and the flesh, and so if we're more on the spiritual side of things, it'll definitely help. Uh, James 4 verse 7 says to submit to God and resist the devil. Resisting the devil will cause him to flee from us. Verse 8 talks about drawing near to God and cleansing ourselves. If you suffer with temptation as a teenager, this is what you can do. Um, drawing near to him, you know, there's many ways we can draw near to him. If you're not a Christian already, to take more steps to become a Christian. That's another way to draw near to him or pray or um, talk to other Christian friends is a way uh, we can listen to his word. There's just a, a various amount of things we can do to draw closer to him. Um, Psalms 119 verse 9 says that taking heed according to God's word will keep a young man's heart clean. 
Matthew 5 verse 27 through 30 teaches us that anything that makes us stumble, we need to get rid of. If you're involved in an activity that caused you to lust, it would be better to stop doing that activity because it is leading you to sin. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. This isn't literal, obviously. However, it is talking, it's saying that anything that we do, if it's going to cause you to even be tempted um, to do wrong, just get away from it. Get as far away from it as you can. A lot of us would like to think, oh yeah, I can handle that. You know, I might be put in a situation where, you know, I might lust after someone or I might, you know, get angry and I might hurt someone, but I can handle it. And see that that's, that's trickery, you know, that that's, that's completely backwards because that's actually going to make us, it's going to put us in that situation. It's going to make it much, much harder for us. James 1 verse 2 through 4 says that enduring these trials will make us less susceptible to sin the next time we are tempted. James 1 verse 2 through 4 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And again, people might look at this and be like, why should I count it all joy when I you know, suffer? But it's actually because... When we do suffer, uh, every single time we suffer in the future, similar in that category, um, we'll uh, be stronger and more uh, less susceptible to falling for that temptation. So let's say, you know, every single time someone makes you angry and you don't say anything back to them and you just take it in, take it in, take it in, then, you know, you're just going to be quiet the whole time. Yeah, thank you, Caden. Appreciate those thoughts. You know, I'm also reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that teenagers can certainly uh, consider, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And of course, Caden, as, as we've been kind of talking about in our podcast, Sometimes that can be reading the scriptures, thinking on good things, praying to God, talking to fellow Christians, a number of different mechanisms that God has put in place for us to, when we're confronted with the temptation to do what's wrong, to be able to endure and come out the other side stronger for it. Uh, Brian, any, uh, any thoughts you have before we move to the next section? Appreciate those because you're right, Kate. There are so many different types of temptations and it varies from person to person. and you know, that kind of brings us to the next section where we want to talk about sexual immorality. And so that can certainly be a temptation for teenagers. So a question for you, Caden, is now that I am a teenager, I notice various urges to please my sexual urges. How do I stop this? So unfortunately, it can't be stopped. It can definitely be easier to endure and we can definitely get a handle on it. Um, we can stop sinning in that area. But the physical part of that is going to linger. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, especially because of the hormone changes. Um, when we're transitioning into adults, there will always be times where we have these feelings. However, similar with the temptations category we discussed, 
it would be best to try to uh, draw closer to the Lord and endure the suffering. So, along with other emotions, we'd really just love to get get rid of them from our life. But all of these have a purpose. And since God designed sex for marriage, you know, we kind of can't just get rid of that stimulant effect um, because it might actually be useful for the purpose that God made them for. So, Reading verses such as James 1 verse 13 through 15 and Revelation 21 verse 8 can remind us not to let ourselves commit sexual immorality, seeing the consequences of such behavior. James 1 verse 13 through 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So, that's a pretty scary thing to think about. I mean, when we sin and we're separated from God, it brings forth our spiritual death. And we have to really be careful to put to death that sin before sin puts us to death, if you will. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we see, you know, especially sexual immoral people. If you're a teenager and you look at a woman with lust who you are not married to, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty dark because that behavior can lead us to go to hell. Now, we can always repent um, for our sins. That is not a, you know, pass to sin, but just in case it happens, you know, don't be afraid and think that you're just going to hell now. You know, we can always turn back to the Lord. He's very faithful and he's very patient with us. But every time we are tempted to do that, we can look at verses such as these and say, you know, sin is so bad after all. I don't think I want to get any uh, involvement in this activity. Yeah, I appreciate, Caden, you mentioning that, you know, sexual desires are not abnormal. And as you also touched on, normal in the sense that God made it for marriage. And unfortunately, in our world today, and really it's been since the beginning of of man, uh, man often allows these emotions to be abused or used in ways that God did not intend them. So having sex, for instance, outside of marriage is unlawful, and the Bible makes that very clear. But within marriage, it's a wonderful thing. And so, you know, in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, We're commanded to put to death our members which are on the earth, and it says fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 6 says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And so, you know, the Bible makes it clear that once we become a Christian, we need to make every effort to put to death those desires that are ungodly. And those actions like fornication, which would be contrary to God's will, and instead see them in the proper context that God has given us in the Bible and that it is meant for marriage, it's a wonderful thing in marriage, so leave that natural desire where it belongs. Yeah, Brian, it's interesting in some of the uh, the things we've talked about so far, you know, that people can kind of fall into, start doing, back out of, etc., but now we're talking about some even more serious consequences, if you will, some of which are permanent. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, sexual activity, you know, starting to open doors and stimulating our appetites in ways that, you know, should not be stimulated, it's, it's hard to close those kinds of doors. 
not to mention things like sexually transmitted diseases, uh, unwanted pregnancy that often leads to people considering, you know, murdering their child, abortion, etc. And so sometimes sin certainly can be repented of, but sometimes there's lingering consequences. And this is just, you know, one one example of several that, uh, you know, teenagers need to be very uh, careful with, uh, very, very mindful of. Speaking of challenges of, of being a teenager, that kind of leads us into our next uh, section. One thing we want to talk about a little bit is peer pressure. And Caden, I know peer pressure is very strong. I mean, it was strong when Brian and I were growing up. It's probably equally strong now. But could you comment perhaps briefly on how being a Christian can be especially challenging? So things like worldly friends, classroom discussions uh, about evolution or homosexuality, it's really difficult because there's so much pressure when you have worldly friends tempting you to do things that you know you shouldn't do, but if you don't do it, they're going to look at you and laugh and call you a wimp or call you names. Or, like I said, you know, discussions about evolution. It's really hard to speak up and say, you know what, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth, and it didn't just come out of nowhere. And uh, a lot of people might look at you and think that you're dumb because it's some belief that you have that they think is foolish. Or even homosexuality. People might openly ask you, like, hey, do you accept me? because I'm gay or because whatever. And it's really difficult to say, you know, no, you know, we wouldn't just want to say no and be disrespectful. But at the same time, we have to tell the truth. And we we shouldn't accept those who are gay because God condemns homosexuality. We need to show them that their actions are sinful. And so, again, like I said, it's a lot of pressure and uh, we really have to find ways to get around it and um, also not be afraid to stand up for God. Good points. Yeah, and you know, certainly we can treat other people fairly, you know, regardless of, you know, whether Christian or not, sexual orientation, etc. Because in many ways, you know, we're all sinners. But as you said, you know, we have to draw a distinction between the person and the uh, the action or the behavior or, or the sin. So, Cain, that kind of leads us up to the first question under this general uh, umbrella of persecution, you know, of teenager who also happens to be a Christian. Quote, my friends make fun of me for being a follower of God. What should I do? So Matthew 5 verse 10 through 12 tells us that we need to be happy about these things. The reason why is because when we are persecuted for doing good things, it shows that we're doing what God expects and will result to eternal life if we continue. Um, And it's really hard to think of that in the moment, you know, when someone's laughing at you or mocking you. But there's so many times where even Jesus was persecuted. John 3 verse 20 says that darkness hates the light since the light shows everything evil that the darkness accomplishes. Nobody likes the impression of being bad and might get jealous of uh, what you're doing because it's right. The world hated God first. It's no different with us. Jesus talked about this in John 15 verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So it shouldn't be any different with us. You know, when, when we're standing for the truth and we're trying to do what's right, people are going to call us names. People are going to make fun of us and persecute us. But it they persecuted Jesus before. And if you talk to any of your relatives, if they're Christian, you might surprisingly get some experiences from them where people might have 
uh, talk to them a certain way, or I've talked to people who've lost their jobs because they had to stand up for what's true. And so unfortunately, that's what we're going to face. But if we can always pray about it, and um, we know that we can rejoice because we're doing what's right. We're standing up for the truth. We're not backing down and letting people manipulate us in those areas. Good points. Now, of course, being made fun of is one thing, but the next question sort of takes it another step. Uh, the next question is, some of my friends no longer want to do things with me now that I follow the Lord. I was not expecting this, so what should I do? I have to say, this is a very difficult thing because if you have really close friends who ease away from you over time, it can be really hard. And, you know, you might start to question your Christianity, like, was this a good idea? You know, am I doing something that, uh, am I doing too much? First Peter 4 wants us to be aware that this can happen, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it is strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Even the disciples of Jesus left him after he was arrested. So we see that, I mean, there's so many people that we might associate with before we become a Christian and we might show our behavior to them and they might be accepting of it. But after we become a Christian, they no longer accept our behavior because it is too good. I remember, you know, there's several students at my old school who would ask me like, why are you doing your work? Or why are you, you know, doing this? Or why can't I curse around you? And so they thought it was really strange because all of a sudden it was just this click into a different uh, mindset. And, you know, they were confronted with things that they never thought they would be, especially by me. So, you know, and obviously we have to be respectful about asking those to not sin around us, but people are just going to think it's weird. People are going to think it's unusual. Any change that they're not expecting, they're going to think is unusual. So it's no different with this. Yeah, good point. You know, I'm also reminded while you're talking of Luke chapter 6, verses uh, 22 and 23, that talks about you know, the relative uh, reward that faithful Christians, and especially faithful Christian teenagers have in heaven is certainly much greater than anything the world, you know, could possibly offer to us. Uh, Luke chapter 6, blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. And I know, Caden, and if you're dealing with, you know, your friends or neighbors or fellow classmates that are either making fun of you or you're starting to lose friendships, I mean, that can be a hard thing, you know, mentally and emotionally. But at least through the scriptures, we have this uh, relative perspective that we can actually, in some ways, rejoice and leap for joy because not that we're under undergoing, you know, persecution and, and trials and such necessarily, but great is the reward that will come out of all of that. Brian, any other thoughts? Yeah, I appreciate those thoughts, uh, especially from verse 22 of Luke 6 there, where it talks about, you know, they will exclude you and even revile you. And as you stated, Caden, that's just a reality, right? When 
and it's not to say you know everyone's going to treat you that way, but certain people will if if you no longer will participate in things with them that may be wrong or you may no longer be somebody that they want to be around because you're you're condemning them or at least speaking to them as you said respectfully about their sin uh, that can be a challenge and you know another challenge can be stopping the sins that you committed before you became a Christian and Jeff mentioned earlier you know opening up doors when you're younger to certain sins that makes it difficult to close those doors once you become a Christian and realize I can't do those things anymore. So, Cade, the next question is, you know, after I have become a Christian, how do I stop sinning? You know, how do you stop committing those sins that maybe were ingrained in your life prior to becoming a Christian? Well, after we're baptized, we become a new creation and should make every effort not to sin. Um, and this can, this can include trying to shut those doors you've previously opened, which you guys have mentioned, that it is very difficult to do so. And um, certainly, if there's any doors that you haven't opened, please just keep them shut because it's way easier to keep them shut. And like I said, make every effort you can. So anything that you can avoid, avoid it. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So as you see, we put to death sin, old things have passed away, our old habits and, you know, bad things that we've done, they're gone now. And our effort is now to please the Lord and not ourselves. Romans 6 verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So like I was saying about slaves of sin, you know, when we put to death that sin, before we were Christians, um, we just did everything according to the flesh. You know, we did whatever felt good or whatever pleases us. Um, a child who talks back to their parents who's, you know, really, really young, it's it's kind of a, a thing that they grow up doing without realizing that it's wrong. And that's where the parents come in to discipline them and tell them that, no, that's not right. You know, you shouldn't speak that way to your parents, you know, you shouldn't, you know, fulfill those fleshly lusts, but they don't understand that. So anyways, Romans 6 verse 11 through 13 says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. Similar to what I was saying a little bit earlier, um, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. We are now instruments or a tool of righteousness to God. You know, God can use us to do good works and to help others. Uh, we no longer let sin reign in our body. We put uh, sin to death when we are baptized. So we have to be really careful. Sin can be a block in our life. When God expects us to do things and he gives us talents and abilities to help others turn to him and we have some sort of problem of our own, like I said, it could be a block. It can definitely keep us from doing what's right. So it's, it's difficult and um, I hope all this helps. Definitely does, Caden. And, you know, to go along with this transformation that you were talking about, you know, putting to death sin becoming alive to God through Christ Jesus. The Bible also teaches us that our body is now the temple of God once we become Christians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own. So, you know, we belong to God once again. We were created in his image. 
when we sin, we take ourselves out of that image, if you will, and then it, we're restored, right? And we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, as, as 1 Corinthians mentioned. And so, you know, we have to have the attitude that, Lord, we're ready to serve you now. We're ready to understand what you would have us to do and to do it. In fact, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So, you know, when we live pure lives, we are holy and acceptable to God. And that really has to be our goal, because we will stand before him in judgment one day, and we all want to be acceptable to God. So, you know, we have to make a sacrifice, as you said, Caden, right? We we now live our lives uh, by denying our fleshly desires and being conscious of these desires and suppressing uh, any desires to do sin. So. Okay, and I guess the last section here, uh, you also have some advice around we now live for Christ, right? Yeah, so we no longer live for ourselves. Um, and a lot of people think of that like, what, you know, I can't, you know, live how I want anymore. Well, technically, no, because yes, we can live and we can have our own passions and not sinful passions, but certain things like, you know, you might like games or you might like, you know, sports or you might like certain activities. But what this is talking about for no longer living for ourselves is we're no longer living, like I said, according to the flesh. Second Corinthians 5 verse 15 says, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So we're not living for ourselves in the sense as pleasing ourselves. We're pleasing God. We're pleasing the Lord. And, you know, he died for us. And we need to take that into consideration. Think about how much he did for us. And we need to try to repay that, although it's pretty impossible to get back to that level of repayment. So we have to try the best we can to do that. And now Christ lives in us. Paul said that in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Once we have been baptized, we no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ. And Christ lives in us through God's word. So that kind of starts to bring us to the end of today's podcast. And certainly on behalf of all of our listeners, Caden, I would very much like to say thank you, you know, for coming on to uh, today's program, you know, sharing your background, your experiences, sharing these problems that are really so common to so many teenagers today. And I really do appreciate the, the emphasis that you gave, particularly on scripture and the scriptural tools that you know, we can offer up to everyone, but especially to teenagers during these very trying times. Do you have any uh, thoughts before we wrap things up? I just want to also uh, thank you guys for allowing me to be on this podcast because, you know, I really love talking about the things that I learn. And this really helped with that uh, because especially it can help other people, like you said, my age around the world. And um, hopefully these people will have a better experience with living having being aware of these things and um, hopefully putting these things into practice that God offers to us. Appreciate that. And as I said, this is your, your first appearance on the program. Hopefully it's not your last. <laughs> hey, Brian, do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Yeah. I also want to thank you, Caden, for putting together these questions and, you know, the biblical answers from God's word. And, you know, I was thinking as we were going through this that, you know, there were many times, especially after Caden became a Christian and 
we were doing more in-depth studies where he said to me, boy, this answers some questions that I have. You know, we'd read a passage and it's like, you know, I I was wondering about that and and God has given me some advice here. And so I think you would agree, Caden, right, that God's word has so many answers. And when the light bulb comes on, as they say, it's very comforting to know, right, that God has given us those specific instructions. Yeah, it's definitely the best feeling in the world, you know, when you... uh... You're really wondering something and you start to, you know, you understand it more and make application in your life. And when you actually see it, you know, taking place in your life and you see it making good uh, effects, then it's very comforting. Appreciate that and appreciate all the thoughts today. So as we always like to do as we end our podcast, we'd like to suggest to our listeners, uh, we've got quite a bit of material at our website especially today, because we covered a lot of different topics uh, in the various questions that Caden had, had prepared and the, and the responses that uh, he, he gave. For instance, under our topics menu item, we have C for Christian living, E for emotionalism, something that a lot of teenagers have, and again with hormones and such, F for feelings, F for fear, and F for fornication. Uh, somewhat older term, but, you know, sexual immorality, we use that term today. H for hope, you know, when it comes to, you know, feeling depressed. L for lust. S for suffering, uh, as well as S for suicide. And I might also mention, uh, in conjunction with that, we do have a podcast, episode number 81, that focuses uh, specifically on suicide and the depression that leads to it. T for temptations. And finally, I might also mention under the lessons menu item, specifically Christian living, and then furthermore, practical Christianity. So it's basically three levels, lessons, points to Christian living, points to practical Christianity. That'll take you to a webpage that has a lesson series uh, on this topic. In fact, it's a pretty extensive series uh, uh, that has 58 lessons that are really mainly focused on topics and discussion questions, focusing on teenagers and practical guidance from God's Word. In, in fact, uh, you know, Caden and I, were, we've got a, a Bible class uh, at church, and we're actually going through that series I don't know if we're going to survive all 56 lessons, but, you know, basically the title is like, you know, Practical Christianity for Teenagers. And so I would certainly encourage our listeners to avail themselves of that resource, as well as any resource they find uh, at the Bible Questions website. Uh, and not just the material, but also the, especially the underlying scriptures to, you know, read, study, and apply to their lives. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, BibleQuestions.org where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.